Do you know the way, brother? Welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and joining me tonight, I have our wizard of wait what, Chinoda. I don't read light novels. What the hell am I doing here? That's a really good question. And our czar of source material, John. Hi. <laughs> nice. Alright, um, so we haven't actually recorded since uh, last year. This is our first episode of the year, so there's a couple of news and announcements we kind of want to get into before we talk about what we're going to be talking about tonight, which is light novel anime adaptations. Um, first and foremost, over the last week we learned a few things. Um, one of those things is that Amazon has decided to discontinue their anime strike service. How do thank we all Lord. feel about this? Fucking thank Lord. They decided <laughs> to just God. dissipate it into regular Amazon video. Like how <laughs> how fucking dare Amazon decide that they should charge a premium for anime? A, a premium on top of a premium. <laughs> yeah, $90 premium for Prime and Prime Video and then on top of that another 5 fucking dollars. Like come on. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I feel the same way, pretty much. I wouldn't mind uh, Amazon tr- Strike as a service. It was actually good to have a contender. I always like having more contenders. But don't charge a fucking double paywall. Like, there's a reason your service failed. Now, yeah. with that, I hope they learn from it and grow. And we'll see how it turns out. I hope this isn't something that's going to seen as a bad thing about anime just like this was all amazon's fault if they get their shit together we might be able to have something good realistically yeah i mean um i can go ahead john to me the double paywall was a fucking major deal breaker but also like i did not like the ui i fucking hated it i was like this is so garbage if you're gonna like try to charge me a double paywall premium at least make your ui not bad at least make it as good as crunchyrolls and crunchyrolls is not even the best honestly (laughs) it's not even that good to be perfectly honest um now see i didn't mind the ui personally there were some aspects of it that i actually liked uh the the ability to resize uh subtitles was great um but my biggest sticking point was the double paywall and like chinoda i didn't mind it being a separate service like away from prime video as long as i didn't have to pay extra for it or if i could just pay like if i were a non-prime user i could just pay the five or the ten dollar fee just to have access to that i didn't mind that particularly um I think, like everyone else, I think it's kind of good that it's gone. One lasting legacy I think it's going to have is that both Amazon and Netflix, too, have have kind of added to the fact that licensing fees are skyrocketing. (laughs) And it's mostly because these two companies have incredibly deep pockets and they could go out and grab whatever they wanted. Um, I'm hoping with one less, like, one less hand in the pool, it'll kind of go down a little bit. But who knows? Um, I also don't think that Amazon's going to completely get rid of, like, 
anime entirely on their service. I don't think they're going to go for it as aggressively as they were before, but I definitely think that Amazon will start will keep licensing anime here and there through Prime Video. I don't think it's it, this the service is gone, but I don't think Amazon is completely out of the anime game. My That's worry my is um due to the fact that now that uh, Strike is gone, they won't have as much incentive to buy up more um, <laughs> anime. And I would like to see uh, them having a stake in everything as well and provide the competition. Because competition is what drives the market. It's true. It's certainly driven the licensing fees up, that's for sure. Holy shit. Um, God, Crunchyroll has gotten a bunch of stuff this season, and I can't imagine what they had to pay for all of it. Um all right, well, we'll move on to uh, another point of contention that happened uh, over the last week. We learned that uh, the Monogatari series, particularly Baki Monogatari, is officially, finally, receiving a manga adaptation. Um, I don't know about the two of you. I don't you know that you haven't even seen the Monogatari series, have you? Not a single one. Okay. <laughs> well, as someone who has, I can tell you that I'm actually really excited about it. Um, there's not much that we know uh, offhand, except that it is the first volume, or they call it an issue in the press release. The first issue is coming out in the middle of March. Um, other than that, there's not much is known. It is going to be, it's going to follow Baki Monogatari specifically, um, that we don't know how much. My biggest thing is I'm really hoping that Vothan, who is the illustrator of the light novel series, is actually going to be involved somehow in this manga adaptation. I don't think he will be, but I really hope that he is because his artwork is absolutely amazing. Um, other than that, John, do you have anything to say about this? I feel like it's pretty late in the game to have a manga adaptation. I mean, we have already have all the, the shows, you know, like Bake 1, Bake 2, uh, Kizu, Neko... Was it Suki? Yeah. Is is that the other one, Suki? Um, they're, well, their second season, which is, encompasses a lot of novels. It's like, but yeah, I, I don't understand why they would want a, a manga adaptation at this point. the no, The novels themselves sell really well. Uh, the shows have a cult following. I feel like it's at a good place. I don't feel like a manga adaptation will help them get more customers. You know. Yeah, you may be right. I mean, it's just something that I've personally wanted to see for a long time, and we'll see how it does. I mean, who knows? It might fly off the shelves, and they'll do the entire series as a manga. I mean, Maybe. The Monogatari series as a whole sells really well in Japan, so... All right, well, we'll move on then. <laughs> um, so, something else that happened to the last week was um, the one of the big hype shows for the winter season, Violet Evergarden, premiered. Although not everywhere. Um, Netflix picked it up, and... In Japan, the Philippines, the UK, uh, Canada, and I think Australia as well, uh, Violet Evergarden is being simulcast. However, that is not the case in the US. Um, one of their a biggest lot of people, audiences, mind you. Uh, well, one of the biggest audiences outside of Japan, you're right. Um, and a lot of people in the US are understandably upset by this um, and are kind of wondering why. Um, I have a theory, but it kind of fits the facts. I don't know. I don't know if any of this is true or not, but it does kind of fit the facts. And the fact that Netflix is very secretive when it comes to numbers and licensing agreements and stuff like that means that we'll probably never know why this actually happened. My theory is this. I don't think this has as much to do with Netflix as it does KyoAni. And the only reason I can think that you would not want it simulcast in the U.S. or any one particular region over another is that there's some kind of merchandising or marketing licensing that is interfering with them being able to simulcast it. 
I, I that's the only thing I can think of. Whereas their Netflix is somehow going to either merchandise or market uh, Violet Evergarden in some way different in the United States than any other region. And if KyoAni wants them to do it concurrent with the show, then releasing it all at once kind of goes into that into a marketing and a merchandising agreement. That's the only thing I can come up with. That's the only theory I have as to why it's simulcasting basically everywhere else, but not the United States. That's my theory. <laughs> I may be completely wrong. I may be right. Who knows? We may never know because Netflix is so secretive with shit like this. All I, have I just to know say... that a lot of people are upset. <laughs> All I have to say about Netflix and them not simulcasting in the U.S. is that to anyone out there that's going to go to the Seven Seas to watch Violet Evergarden, please support it if it does come out in your area. Um, I want to see it succeed. I want it to have really good numbers. Yeah, you and I have seen the first episode, and we know how good it is. I know how pretty it is. Um, story-wise, the, the director explained how he wants the story to proceed and stuff, and I, I've got a general idea of how it's going to proceed, but I did cry at the first episode, so it's a feels train, and Jeez, I, I'm really definitely. looking forward to it. Um, I'm probably not going to watch it until it comes out in the U.S., quite honestly, because um, I don't know if it's something I'll rewatch a lot is the problem here, so I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait. Okay. I mean, that's fair enough. Um, oh, something else I can actually mention, because it's, it's been confirmed by multiple people across the world that this has actually started the simulcast in. I can say for a fact that they're not, simulca they're not simulcasting in the U.S. for dubbing reasons, because even in Japan, Violet Evergarden is simulcasting on Netflix with an English dub. What? Episode to episode. So it, it is already the it, the the show has already been dubbed in English. It's all well, it's already been dubbed in Spanish and Filipino and a bunch of other languages as well. So it's not for a dub reason. I can tell you that for sure. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I want to so hear even, the it, Japanese it is, dub. I don't want to hear English dub. What trash is this? I know. I'm just saying that it is. It's even available in Japan with an English dub. That's so really the weird. Dub, Netflix waiting for a dub is not why it's not simulcasting. So. This is very anyway. suspicious. It is. I and it, it's. I really can't think of anything besides a marketing and, and licensing agreement that's making it not be simulcast in the U.S. So I think it has more to do with Kyoani than than uh, than Netflix themselves. Uh, but like John said, please, if you are living in one of these areas where it is simulcasting and you watch it, please watch it legally. Please support the official release. I know that's a tired statement, but please do it because this actually looks really good and I, I'm hoping that it's going to be good. It's also been recently listed as 14 episodes instead of 12, so that's also something. Um, yeah, the the plot thickens with Violet Evergarden. Um I think with that, we'll move on to uh, a way I can segue into our main topic. Um, this last Wednesday, uh, January 9th, was the 10th anniversary of Spice Wolf anime. Um, my favorite anime of all time. Not the best, but it's still my favorite. Um, I absolutely love it, and it's a great segue into what we're actually going to be talking about tonight, which is the concessions that are made when light novels are adapted into anime. Um, I think that John, John and I both read quite a few light novels. How many are you reading currently? Like 70. That's a lot. lot of reading. Dude. <laughs> yeah. And Snowder doesn't read any, so we don't know why he's here. <laughs> no one knows uh, no, I'm why I'm kidding. anywhere. Well, I just that's, exist. A really good, that's a really good point. Um, yeah. Um, there are definitely concessions that have to be made when you adapt a light novel. Um mostly because they're two different mediums. One is uh, is 
a literature medium and the other one's a very visual animated medium. Um, so there are things that work in one that won't work in another. Um, so the first one I want to talk about is obviously Spice and Wolf, being that it's the 10th anniversary of the anime. Um, yeah. Yay! Economics! <laughs> Who wants to take an economics class with me? I will, seriously, in all honesty, if you actually read the all volumes of Spice and Wolf, you will get a better economics education than if you actually took an economics class in college i'm not kidding about that that's um, quite depressing it's actually well it can be like it's good um, and bad i guess perspective well it's amazing because the guy that wrote spice and wolf like every other thing he's written has something to do with economics like he wrote world end economica billionaire girl um he's currently working on a vr game for steam called project lux which I don't really know if it's any economics involved, but he is writing it, so probably. Did this, have, um, did this guy have a major in economics or something? Sheesh. Uh, I believe that is actually what he went to school for. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, um, so with Spies and Wolf being an uh, adaptation of a light novel, there were some uh, concessions that were made. Um, chief among them is the first season of the anime adapts volumes one and two whereas season two adapts volumes three and five they completely skipped over volume four um as someone who's read volume four i can say that it's a really good thing in the anime that they did because it is almost entirely world and character building um they took a lot of ideas that were in volume four and kind of meshed them into seasons one and two kind of sporadically um, but they didn't actually adapt any of the story that takes place in Volume Four. Um, also, there, I will like would like to point out that there is there's an anime YouTuber out there called Mother's Basement who actually did an entire like 20 minute long video of all the differences between Spice and Wolf's anime and uh, light novel. I highly recommend you go watch it because he will he actually describes it way better than I ever could, and he goes into enormous detail about some of the stuff that was skipped over. Um, there was there's a, there's a specific part in the first few episodes of the Spice and Wolf anime that are completely anime original. That um, I can see why they did it for the anime because they wanted a second um, a second love interest for Lawrence. Um, so they there's this there's this character called Chloe in the anime who doesn't appear anywhere in the novels. Um, in the um, in the novels, it's a guy, it's an old friend of his, a guy named, oh God, I can't remember his name. It starts with a Z. Good Lord. Thanks, memory. It's only my favorite light novel series. Um, anyway, he's not, he's not in any way a love interest, thank God. Um, and it kind of makes it awkward for the anime, but in the, uh, in the light novel, it's very, it, it's very like just friends being friends, like bros being bros. Um, whereas it's kind of a cringy one-off romance in the anime um but it also serves to illustrate character or holo's character a lot because she has to kind of compete with this one girl who's always going after lawrence um other than that there were a few other big changes between the light novel and the anime one being in the light novel it's made pretty clear that the quote-unquote church that's always being talked about is the catholic church um because there's lots of um, allusions to like the Virgin Mary and Jesus and stuff like that. Whereas in the anime, they take all of the Christian and Catholic references out. Um, specifically, anytime there's a, a shot of a church, there's always, in the, in the light novel at least, there's always a giant cross on top of every church. Well, in the anime, they completely take the crosses out. Um, 
another one uh, in when Lawrence first meets Holo in the very first volume, he actually describes her as the Virgin Mary. Where in the anime, that's completely left out. Um, so yeah, they take out a lot of the religious, the Catholic religious references in the anime. I think that was to make it more accessible in Japan because I don't think that Catholicism is that widespread in Japan. I may be wrong about that, but I'm not sure. Um, um, I'm, I can't, I don't remember the exact numbers, but a majority of them are still Shinto, uh, other than Buddhist. Shinto, yeah, Shinto Buddhism, it's like 40% or something. Then like oh, yeah. another 20% are like just agnostic where they just don't really follow religion. They just do like cultural stuff. Like they'll still visit the temple for New Year's, the Hatsumode. Um, and I think it's something like 15% or something are still Christian. Yeah. I mean, there is a, there is a significant... Oh, somewhat significant Christian population in Japan. I don't know how many of those are Catholic, but I assume most of them. But yeah, they do take a lot of those Christian religious references out of the um, the anime. I think that actually works to the anime's benefit because it can literally be any church, anywhere, any religion. So you can like insert religion here, whatever your local hated religion is, just put it in here. Excellent. Um, yeah, I, um... I will say, though, now that there's actually a spinoff anime that focuses almost entirely on religion, it's gonna. if they ever make an anime about it, I don't know how they're going to avoid the uh, all the Catholic references in this. Um, yeah. She used to read Spice and Wolf. It's pretty good. <laughs> That's what you should take away from this. Um, I do think that a lot of the stuff that they put, that they took out for the anime adaptation actually works in the anime's favor. Um, there's some stuff that doesn't. There's a lot more uh, that they go into in the light novels about how the economics of each city-state works and like how currency trading works and stock trading and stuff like that works. Um, so if you just watch the anime, they, they kind of fly through it. They do explain it, but they fly through it and they do a very broad explanation of how it works. In the in the uh, light novel, they get way more nuanced and into how like A leads to B leads to C leads to D. Whereas in the anime, they're just going to show you how A leads to D. Huh. Okay. <clears throat> do they do it in, like, a slow pace, or does it work out well? I would say, in the in the light novel specifically, I would say that they do it pretty slow pace, but it actually works in favor of the pacing of the story. Okay. Because the stories themselves, for the most part, most volumes are pretty slow paced. Um, it, the last few novels have, are pretty fast paced um but they're also less about economics and more about the relationship between lawrence and holo um but i would say it actually serves the story the way it's paced like the 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 narrative that goes into the explanation of all the different economic systems that are in this world and it's worth pointing out that the the the, the story that's being told in spice and wolf itself is a pretty good representation of the economics of middle ages europe because every single city-state has its own system of economics, has its own currency, has its own way of doing business. And a lot of, a lot of what goes on with... Because since Lawrence is a trader, um, he has to work out like how to trade currency to where he actually makes money instead of loses money. And he's constantly trying to avoid going bankrupt. And he does eventually. Spoilers. Spoilers. Dude. Jeez. <laughs> he doesn't... It's not for long. Still, spoilers. Still. Scumbag. Well, I mean, we're talking about light novel adaptations, so there's going to be some spoilers. Until I get on it. You'll see. You'll see. Anyway. 
Anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm done with Spice. You should really read, give Spice and Wolf a chance if you never have. It's really, really good. Um, especially if you're if you're interested in light novels, I'd say this is actually a really good light novel to start with because it's pretty. It, it, there's there's not a lot of um, there's not a lot of light novel tropes in the story. I think. What the hell are light novel tropes? Like, that's a really good question because I just came up with that phrase. <laughs> um. <laughs> It's, what I'm trying to say is it's pretty accessible if you've never read a light novel. Okay. That's all I got. <laughs> what do you got, John? Because I know you've read, a, you've read a lot. I have a giant list of novels that I've read, light novel, web novel. 300 billion. <laughs> basically, yeah. Uh, I wanted to talk about something extremely recent, which is Overlord, because season two is here, and I watched the first episode, and I'm like, I'm full of rage because... <laughs> The first half of the uh, season two episode is they animate the intermissions that happen between volumes. Like, there's one from volume seven and another one from volume nine, I believe. But I'm just like, hey, look at these things that you will never fucking cover. Like, what the hell? <laughs> like, quit playing Sheesh. me like this. I see you covering shit that's like a lot of people like um, Ty, for example. He was like, I, I didn't understand what happened in the first ten minutes because I don't know who these characters are. I'm like, they still haven't even shown up in the current uh, fucking volume like 12 we know nothing about them yet it's just world building it's setting up different characters and uh except for the very first scene in uh episode two that one happens right after volume three i believe it's the first intermission and it shows you like uh here's this girl with a rubik's cube it's like and they got it from the uh elder gods the six elder gods who created the slain theocracy just to give you a hint that oh look at that maybe there are other people they are here before momonga <laughs> and it's kind of just like it, it just hints at that and then they talk about the guild weapon uh the dragon and the adventurer girl talk about the guild weapon so they know like who the gods the so-called gods are which are just human players but obviously you know it, now you know that momonga isn't the only person that got transported here so it's like it sets up a lot of things for the future which make it even better but in, if you just watch the anime, it gives you no context, so you actually have no idea what the fuck is happening. You can kind of just now piece it together. Let me ask you something. If, if, you, if you were an anime-only watcher, right? Yeah. And what? Because there still hasn't been a, an episode count announced for this second season. So uh, if it goes to 24 episodes, they could adapt all the way to Volume 7 or so, couldn't they? Would they really uh, at the, be likely at the to? Current, at the current pace, I'm pretty sure they're just going to adapt up to Volume 6. But in the opening, they have shown things that are in Volume 7. So maybe, maybe they'll go to 7-8 if they actually do get 24 episodes, because there's still no count yet. At least last week when I looked, I didn't see a count. Uh, there wasn't one this, this afternoon, so... Okay, so we still don't know the episode count. If it is 24, they can definitely adapt up to Volume 8, and it'll follow what I saw in the opening. However... Referencing the opening from um, season one of Overlord, they showed volume four, the Lizard Men, but they never adapted that. So I, you know, I don't know how reliable it is to guess based on the opening. That's all just subjective. That's true. What I want to talk about though is like uh, I know for sure they're adapting volume four um, because in the manga series they did have a little thing where Kokutis was like, finally I get to have a scene where I fight. And I was like, all right, well that's at the end of volume four. One hundred percent, no, that's gonna happen. And then they also show, like, um, Volume 5 and 6 stuff happening. Quite a lot in the opening. So I'm I'm really hoping they'll at least, if it is 12 episodes, they'll adapt three volumes as well as they did, like, in uh, Season 1. Um, 
I'd say season one had a lot more cut out of it. There's a lot of like inner monologuing that was missed through uh, Momonga because they just wanted to really focus more on like the action sequences, right? There are three major ac action sequences in the entire season one. Uh, the first one being when Einzulgon fights uh, the Sunlight Scripture, the second one being when he fights uh, Clementine, and then the third one is when he fights uh, Shaltir. And that's actually how the light novels are. Each volume has a major fight, and it's kind of like the hype scene, you know? So they, of course, to adapt three volumes worth of information, they have to dumb down the content. So there's not a lot of actual world building going on. There's not a lot of inner monologuing. And they're just, fa they're just focusing mainly on progressing the main storyline, which is, here's Momonga, he's dropped in a new place, here are his guardians, here are the shitty people in this world who don't know how strong Momonga is, and it just progresses like that. Uh, so far, what I've seen from the, second or the, the first episode of Season 2, I definitely think they're going to follow the same path, which could be good or could be bad. Mainly because Volume 4 is a lot of world building, like... In the actual volume four, it's you, good world building though. It's really good. It shows you the background and then like uh, the economics of like people and how Momonga and Ainz will go and affect everyone, which actually comes into play way later on because you know it's not centered around just Momonga. It's also centered around his guardians. It's centered around other characters in the entire series. Like there's uh, the other mithril ranked teams. There's the kingdoms that they affect. And, like, um, the first conquest that they'll have will be the Lizardmen in this Lizardmen village. So, in the volume, the first three-fourths of the novel, volume four, actually just center around all the lizard folk and, like, their villages and how they try to ba band together. Because in, uh, if you've seen the first episode of Overlord Season 2, you see the deaf head just roll up and said, we're going to fucking murder you guys. So now it's like, what the fuck just happened? They need to get together and, like, fight off the major evil. So that, that's how I feel it's going to go. I don't necessarily think it's going to be a bad thing. Um, the background isn't as important in Volume 4, 5, and 6 as it, as it was in 1, 2, and 3. And the action sequences definitely are amazing. I am concerned that if they do adapt Volume f 5 and 6, that 5 and 6 are a two-parter. So generally it's like, you know, one volume is one arc. Well, 5 and 6 are actually the same arc. And the first, Volume 5, is going to be more about Sebas and how he feels about the entire situation. And it focuses more on him. Surprisingly, in the Overlord light novel, it's not actually about Momonga or Ainz. It's actually about everyone else. He's kind of just there in the yeah. background. It's, it's actually really funny. He shouldn't be playing a major part in the anime series other than um, at the end of Volume 4, then obviously at the end of Volume 6. But in Volume 5, if they adapt that, it, you should not be seeing him very much. He's actually a very background character. It'll be focusing more on Sebas, Solution, Shaltir, all the other Guardians, not just Ainz. So that's what I like, because it really sets up, like, you see how these Guardians view Momonga, they, they, how they view, like, their place in the world. It's a different perspective. You would think that Ainz is actually the main character, but he's kind of not. He's kind of just there. He has the gravitas to be a main character. Well, he's supposed to be the main character, but it, the light novel does such a great job at building everything else around him, which I feel yeah, oh, absolutely. season one did not cover at all. Because everything in season one, how he affects everything, comes out after volume seven. Seven, eight, nine is like when you start seeing things start connecting a lot more. Like the actions that Momonga has and all the... Um, the fallout of his actions, what happens when he actually saved the first village in season one. It actually comes back to that, which is really great about the series. A lot of world building. 
And I don't think necessarily that they'll need a lot of that world building for volume four, five, and six to make it successful. Yeah. Um, I, will, I would like to say specifically about the light novel, um, volume four is amazingly well written. <laughs> um, especially anything to do with Lizardmen. is just everything about that was just fun to read. At least it was for me. Yeah. See, like, I, I love volume four. I, I have the physical copy, you know. But the more I read Overlord, it's just like, it always changes. I'm like, oh man, volume four is fucking super. Then I read volume five. I'm like, oh God, I need to read volume six. I read volume six. Oh God, I got to read volume seven. And it kind of just <laughs> keeps going like that. That's how I am with the entire series. It's Spiral all really... out of control. And you just reread the whole thing all over again. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm on my fourth read through of uh, Overlord. Jesus. Judge me. That's just... It's really good. I, I just started reading the light novel myself. I just got through volume four and it's... It's something. I mean, just it's so well written. The and like you say, it's all about world building, and it has some of the best world building I've ever read in like a light novel format. Um, and the fact that the the world building is done in such a way that it doesn't detract from the actual story being told. It's actually woven into the story being told. You don't have to actually stop for you know several chapters and listen to some whoever talk about the past of the world and what how everything is you can just keep going with the story and it's just it, it unfolds before you and that's it's so well written like that and it's so rare that you see that in a light novel well what's really great is that it follows the point of view of different characters in the entire world so mm-hmm. obviously momonga is supposed to be like the op overlord main character guy as you saw in season one but as you get further past volume one through three, you realize they, they always start, like volume four actually starts with the point of view of the lizard men. And you don't get to even see Momonga until like maybe halfway through where they have like one chapter dedicated to him and what he's planning. And then it goes back to the lizard men. And you don't see him until the very last fourth of the novel. And then in volume five, he's not even there. He's mentioned here and there. And, and you don't actually see Momonga do anything until the end of volume six. Like, he's not a critical player because he his entire prerogative of the entire situation is that he wants his name to be known and widespread, but he also cares about his guardians, and he's trying to make a place for his guardians so they're safe. Like, if you've seen season one, you understand, like, how he felt when he had to fight uh, Shaltir. And, you know, the whole, um, when he was taking Albedo through the mausoleum and how Albedo felt about the mausoleum, how she was super sad. She's like, please don't leave us. You know, you're our one and only god. But then Momonga is struggling with saying, like, well, I don't want to be here. Like, you guys are my friend's children, essentially, but I still want to find my friends. And it's just that there's that struggle in him, you know, internally, what he wants to do and how the world views him because he's such a strong being and so scary to everyone else because he's an undead. It's really great. It's a great story woven in and out. And I love the different perspectives, which is why I'm super hyped for season two, because it will be the Lizardmen, Kokutis, then Sebas. And I love I love four, five, six. They're amazing, and I'm hoping it's a lot to look forward to. <laughs> and if it is twenty four, when they get to um, you get to meet like um, you see Blue Rose, one of the Mithril ranked teams in the opening, and then you see Demiurge fighting Monga. So that's like volume seven, eight. So I'm like maybe maybe there'll be twenty four episodes and they'll adapt. You know, four through eight. That would be super. I would love that. And I think twenty four episodes would be just enough to cover those four volumes. Quite honestly. We'll have to wait and see. Well, crossing Come on, my, Madhouse. Crossing my fingers. Um, another light novel that got adapted into an anime this season is Death March. Um, I wish our boy Jason was here because he loves Death March. I love Death March. 
and we both I don't I'm not actually sure what his opinion is of the first episode um, from my opinion I'd say that it is adapting it really well and it's also going pretty slow the first episode only covers like the prologue and half of a couple chapters so I think it'll be great uh, one thing that they are not doing well in the anime compared to the light novel is skills so Death March is built like a video game and if you watch the first episode, you'll see that the main character, Sato, he gains a shit ton of skills. And uh, the the subbers on Crunchyroll did not translate, like, 90% of the skill names, which I find to be terrible. Like, I get that he has a billion skills and he gets a lot of rank-ups, but the main point of that is in the light novel and in the manga series is that he's supposed to be getting rank-ups like a video game. It's supposed to be like a video game and half-cooking simulator. Like, that's what he does. He literally will do an activity, and then he'll get a rank up. And then he'll read the skill out and, like, try to utilize and weave different skills together. And that's extremely important to know, because that's how he becomes super strong. And they don't... And they're not covering these things? That seems no. kind of lazy. Yeah, that's a lot of... Uh, a lot of complaints that I've seen for Death March's first episode was that, holy shit, they didn't translate any of the on, uh, on-screen UI for any of his skills or anything. And that, again, is very important to Death March. Because the main character is playing like a video game. And he treats everything like a video game because he's a video game programmer, you know? And I feel like that's something that they really should translate. Even though I get that there's one scene where he gets a billion skills at once. Like, literally, they're on screen for, like, 0.75 seconds. And they're just scrolling up and down. I don't expect him to translate that. But at least when he pulls up the UI, translate that stuff, right? Or when he gets a new skill rank up, translate that. Because it really plays into Sato's character of how he views everything like a programmer is. You know, he's a video game person, so he understands how he can weave skills together and how to create new skills to make it work better for him in the environment. That's something that I don't think they're doing very well. It's just the episode was fine, the progression was fine, but just that little minuscule detail of not translating skills because it's a very big part of Death March. That and Lolis. <laughs> oh my! God. I have heard about the lolis. It's it's hilarious. So <laughs> I've seen the lolis. They're cute. The uh, the main character guy even says in the first episode, like in the first ten minutes, I'm not a lolicon, and he's not. <laughs> Sato is actually not a lolicon. He loves big-breasted women, and I'm really hoping that they mention the curse that he has in the anime, like they do the in the curse. manga or or in the light what? novel. It's it's hilarious. The curse. The curse. I don't want to spoil it, but he has a curse. <laughs> Supposedly, he has a curse. Tell me after the recording. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's all I can say for Death March right now. I'm, based on the opening and the ending for Death March, I'm assuming they're only going to do three volumes worth because of how the pacing of the first episode went. I definitely don't think they're going to get further than that. So. Let me ask you something. Uh, if, if you actually like other Isekai stories, do you think you should give the anime a try? Yeah, if you like Isekai, um, I'm surprised you haven't even started reading Death March because it's one of the more popular Isekai novels, quite honestly. It's pretty up there. Up there Gotten with, burned like, out with Isekai recently. <laughs> well, it's like... Don't blame you. As a manga and a light novel series, Death March has always been up there ever since it released because everyone loves the story because, you know, it's a video game simulator with a dude who just loves to cook and literally just levels up. Like, he'll pick up a flute and just blow on it, and it's like, you've acquired the flute skill. Then he'll play the flute. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, this sounds pretty hilarious. I'll check so what it out. happens when he has sex? I oh don't want to ruin anything. Wait, so. is that really a thing? <laughs> All I'm saying is if you like Death March, the anime, definitely check out the web novel or the light novel. Um, I personally like the web novel more than the light novel. Um, 
that's just because the officially translated light novel is translated pretty poorly, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> well, you can't blame the story for that. I can't, and I like reading the web novel that's fan translated. It's just just better. It flows better. It's obviously not as clean as the light novel, but I think the web novel is better than light novel. Can I just say that that some of these like translation companies really need to hire some of these fan translators because a lot of them are better than the official translators. There was a group that did that. Um, I honestly don't remember their name. There was a, a there were fan translators that became in an official group or something. Man, some so there's so many bad official translations, but there's some fan translations that are top notch. Yeah. Gonna move on from uh, Death March. Uh, check out the anime. It's, uh, it's not that bad. I think it's gonna be great. Then again, the source lolis. material. Yeah, there's a there's a ton of lolis. Uh, the source material for Death March is pretty good. Uh, speaking of other isekai novels, uh, Knights and Magic, which came out a few seasons ago, I was reading that, and I didn't think the source material was that great. The the web novel. Um, how they translated that into the anime, they skipped a bunch of uh, world building, again, and character building, actually. Um, the f- two main that brother and sister characters. Did. Yeah, it's like they condensed one entire volume into like 10 minutes, the montage. Oh my god. And I'm just like, you don't even know why they love the main character, like the brother and sister combo, why they <laughs> it's even a cultic respect. nine all over again. And I was oh just god. like, Jesus fucking Christ, like you don't understand why they like him and you don't understand anything else and all it was was like look at this pretty boy girl he looks like a girl and everyone loves him and also he loves robots and that's yeah, exactly that's how the anime went what they gave that's which like was hilarious was. but which i i finished uh watching knights and magic and i loved it because i love mecha battles and that's all it really was like it was over grossly that compared to anything else however comparing the web novel that i was reading of it there wasn't very much other world building, quite honestly. Like, other than skipping that first uh, volume where they condense everything, they don't leave out that much critical information because there's not that much critical information in the actual novel series. It's literally just, look at this overpowered dude. He loves mechs. He makes a crazy mech. He goes fights other crazy mechs. That's literally the entire story. That's it. That's all I had to say. Source material wasn't that great. Uh, Anime wasn't that much better. But overall, I didn't hate it because, again, I love the giant mech battles. I just thought it was fun. Mech whore. <laughs> I just like mecha, damn. And uh, to discuss about another terrible adaptation and terrible source material. Oh, another isekai. Another isekai. Isekai smartphone, if anyone ever saw that oh, uh, a couple seasons ago. I know a lot of people did not like the anime, and I am here to tell you the source material was not even that great. Um <laughs> There's not a lot of great battle scenes in Isekai's smartphone, but honestly, to me, they were the highlight of the novel, and they just did not translate that well at all. And uh, every time they did, like, a intermission scene where it's, like, A to B, you know, going from A to B scene, they would add, like, something that happens in the, the novel into a little, like, just still intermission card. And I was like, you know, this is a quarter of the end of that novel where, where he does that thing, and you guys just consolidate it to just one little card thing with like three sound effects it's like you're not even covering most of the novel and you dare consolidate things like this though to be fair the source material is not that great anyway like it's isekai smartphone to me was just a fun read like something that i was just turned my brain off like haha isekai smartphone he's how god treats him and stuff it's hilarious like that's all i cared about uh the anime itself was not that much better i actually would say avoid the anime just read the novel if you are interested in it um 
going back to Knights and Magic, I'd say watch it or read it. Either one works. But Isekai Smartphone, I would definitely say read because the anime adaptation did not go very well. Okay, then. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, you done? That's, that's it. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, I, before we wrap up here, let me ask you something. Since you read so much, what are some that you're? What are some light novels you're reading right now that you actually like? Besides uh, Overlord, obviously. Besides Overlord, Death March. Uh, Goblin Kingdom's really good. I love reading that series. Uh, I love reading Remonster. If you're really into Isekai and overpowered characters, those are good reads. <laughs> I have a common theme of loving overpowered characters. Uh, there was another one, uh, Realize Kingdom or something. Real, a Realist Kingdom that I just picked up a month ago that's not about an overpowered character, just about some guy who knows how to do politics, and it's fucking fantastic. A Realist oh, It's a politics uh, light novel? Yeah, if you like um, Mao Mao Yusha, you know, Hero Be Mine, oh, I refuse. Wow, that, that, yeah, that old, that's a thing. Yeah, that old one. It's old. Old anime. That's, and, a, that's really old. I've never but, even heard of it. If you like that style of uh, political play, and it's not just about overpowered characters, it's great. I love Realist Kingdom. I cannot recommend that enough. Uh, if you're also new to web novels or light novels in general, um, I'm trying to remember the name of the the first one that I actually marathon that's actually finished. It's a web novel series. I honestly don't remember what it was called. It was really good, though. It's been a while. I read it like four years ago. If Jason was here, maybe you could tell, but... <laughs> For now, you give him like give him like two very small details and just be like, yeah, I read that. For now, I'll say Goblin Kingdom, Remonster, Aurelius's Kingdom, just to start off. Well, well, besides Overlord as well, which I just started reading on your recommendation. Um, something else that I started reading recently and am nearly caught up on the source, I think, um, is Grimgar. And that oh, yeah. is uh, that is something that got an anime adaptation a couple of years ago. Now um, it's pretty good. It, the, the 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 source material is pretty good. The anime doesn't cover near as much as the the light novel does. The um, light novel spins a different picture for the entire like story and how oh, the yeah. main character develops and stuff. They they leave out a lot of critical character development, which is why during Grimgar's airing, I was like. I don't like the anime because it's not doing it's not adding the really good parts of like why I should care about the main character. And the characters develop slightly differently in the light novel than they do in the anime. Yeah. It makes um, more sense. In the sense. anime it feels well, I won't as some when I first just watched the anime, I thought it was really good. I I still think that the anime is it still looks good and it still sounds good. Um I will say that the story of the light novel is better, um, but I actually thought that the anime did a really good job until I actually went and read the source material and found out, wow, there's a lot more depth to these characters in the anime would have you believe. I told you. I told all of you. None of you listened to me. Show still hasn't listened. He's like, no, you're all wrong. The anime is perfect. That's because he just likes the pretty colors. Well, he likes the pretty main character, too. Yeah, Same. but, you know... They completely trivialize Renji, for example, a character in the novel that plays like a whole, I'm stronger than the main character guy, and the main character guy wants to aspire to be him. In the anime, they completely just cut him out. And I'm just like, yeah. he's very critical for the growth of Haruhito? Haru Was that main character? Just call him Hal. Hal. Just call him Hal. Hal, yeah, that's what the official translation is. Hal. Hal. So that's my complaint. But yes, Grimgar is another excellent fantasy novel. Yeah. And Definitely. the main character it, isn't overpowered or anything. He's actually very underpowered, and he's actually yeah, he's, trying to survive. So it's yeah. the the novel is heavy into character development. 
So if you love and Cat it's almost it, it's almost not like it's not a complete fantasy story. It's like a fantasy survival story because there's there's real world stakes for these characters. Yeah. Because if you die, you fucking die. That's uh, yeah. That's what I've been reading recently. I don't read near as much as you, obviously, but uh, that's something else I've been reading that I highly, highly recommend. Especially if you enjoyed the anime at all that aired a couple years ago, definitely give the light novel a try. It's um, it's a lot better. Oh, another will, um, another one oh, that ahead. I want to recommend is Slime Tensei. Slime Tensei is oh, God, really no. great. Please no. Have you read Slime? <laughs> Do you even know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about, and oh my god, like, just the, the way it's described is like, what the fuck? Do Slime Tensei, to are you sure? It's very similar to, like, uh, Death March, and uh, also Goblin well, Maybe King we're thinking Rome. about something else, then. I ho- I think you are, because Slime Tensei is definitely not what you're thinking. It's just about... Oh, wait, I think, oh, we are thinking about something else. <laughs> yeah, because Slime Tensei is very wholesome. It's about a, a guy who becomes, he dies protecting his, um, his junior at work from a stabbing. So then he dies, and then he goes reincarnates in a new world as a slime, and he meets this really cool dragon who's his bro. Then he eats the dragon, and now he's super powerful. And it's just about him like just being a slime and everyone worshiping him because he's super strong. What the shit? <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a fucking hilarious series, and it's really great. That's another series that I really recommend reading. Slime Tensei. There's a, no. I was thinking of this something I read, or I didn't read it. I just read about it. Uh, a few months ago about a girl who turned into like a slime monster and shit is like oh no no it's not that i thought that's what it was called but i i no. guess i was mistaken it's definitely not it but that's all i got for now all right well we'll go ahead and wrap this up um so thank you for joining us um we're we're definitely happy that you did um we hope you enjoyed it because we always enjoy bringing this to you um if you want to check out previous episodes of the podcast you can find us on soundcloud itunes and youtube if you want to keep up with what we're doing and have a little more fun, you can join our Facebook group, follow our Twitch channel, and visit our website where we currently have our fall division of our Best Boy and Best Girl contest going on. Um, in fact, right now, we have the semifinals of both going on, so you can definitely get on there and vote. Um, and as always, if you have any questions, comments, criticism, concerns of this or any episode, feel free to shoot us an email or leave a comment in the description. Uh, Comment below. Uh, links to all the things that I talked about are down below in the description. I have been your host, Alex, and I will see you next time. Say goodnight, everyone. Do you know the way, brother? I know the brother, way, brother. I know the way. I follow me. I know the way. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everyone. It's a false queen. Spit on her. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>